Listener Production. Hi, I'm Jo Stanley and this is Best of You in the House of Wellness. With the help of mindfulness coach Emma Murray, this podcast teaches us how to shift our thoughts and control our emotions so that we can overcome life's daily challenges, the ones we expect and the ones we never saw coming. If you could wave a magic wand and erase one moment of failure from your life, that feeling of embarrassment and shame that makes your skin crawl just remembering it, what would it be? What if instead we celebrated all the beautiful, unique strengths we have so that next time we knew how to bring our best to that moment? In this episode, Supercars champion Scott McLaughlin tells us about losing what was supposed to be an unlosable championship for him and how he regained calm and clarity even at 300 kilometres an hour. And then Em gives us our next mindfulness exercise, which is all about changing our thinking patterns so that we can be at our best in any moment. Hi, Scott. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, first question: How fast do you travel in a race? Like, what is your top speed? Top speed, yeah. Mm, like, it differs between different tracks, but uh, the fastest we go in Australia is about three hundred kilometers an hour. Um, and now I've done some US exploits, and uh, I'm travelling up upwards of oh, three hundred seventy k's an hour. So it's um, yeah, it's it's a varying difference of speed at different areas, but it's very very cool. Do you know what? It's not the speed that caught me when I first started working with Scott, it's how close they go to the concrete wall at that speed. Like they they, <laughs> they are millimetres. millimetres. Or sometimes touch it. From yeah. that concrete wall and they are doing it around a hairpin bend. Mm. It, like when I stood at the top of that mountain at Bathurst, mm. it, uh, it blew my mind and they do it repeatedly for mm. like hours on, on end. Mm. Yeah, that's like an eight-hour... Is that Bathurst? How long is that? It's like near, yeah, seven hours maximum of seven and a half normally, okay. but it's 161 laps. You share it with another driver, um, which is another thing that is for for your mind is tough because you're throwing all that trust into someone else, it's uh-huh. it's difficult. Um, but then yeah, I think I've, I've really you know mindfulness has really helped me in that race where I really struggled beforehand. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get specifically yeah, to yeah, yeah. Bathurst, but yeah. what does it feel like? Are you aware of how fast you're going, or for you is it so normalised you're not even conscious of that? Yeah, look, I remember the first time. So for instance, at Bathurst, heading down the long straight there, it's 300k. So I, I my first time I went, I was like I could hear every noise. I, I was like really like holding onto the the wheel really tight. This is when I was. I was 17 when right. I first did that. Some and people don't have a license. No, exactly. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I was still on my pig plates. But um, I, yeah, it would just all sort of, um, you know, it just starts to normalise. And even even now to this day, like I'd had my IndyCar test that just happened and that's the fastest I've ever gone. And when I went to 300 and, you know, 300 and, 20Ks, I was like, well, that's fast. And then it just normalised and then it just kept getting the same thing. what does it feel like? Like you talk about, you talked about the G-forces before you went in your neck. You were really worried about your neck before you left. Yeah, like the G-forces that you pull, like there's nine or 10G. It's, um, you know, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, just adapting to like the speed blur as well. You get 
you know, speed blur occasionally with the vibrations and all what that sort of stuff. What does that mean? What's so, that? So basically you're just going so fast that your eyes can't keep up in some ways. So like you just, So how are you knowing where blurred. to go? Well, you can see your main <laughs> visions. Hopefully it's all right for most people. Some people you'd think that they, they have speed blur everywhere, but I, um, they're, they're the idiots. But I, I, I um, you know, when you turn it in, you, you, you've just got to, you know, you got to be really mindful of like where your focus points are on each point because it's coming up so fast. It's like, you know, a millisecond, millisecond, millisecond and you're missing if you miss one point it puts you wide for the next point and that's one thing that I had to get really used to with the IndyCar um, but the supercar I'm, I'm at home with that car okay. like I understand it and it's just all relative okay so you mentioned uh, Bathurst mm. um, you've had great success there mm. but there's a lot of your story that's about before that great success yep. um, it was 2017 mm-hmm. and I know you've spoken a lot about that particular race, but because yep. it, it feels like it's a before and an after of the work that you've done with them, would that be right? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I couldn't be any more different of a human being in my mind um, from that moment in 2017 to where I am now. Um, I completely just I lost the unlosable. So you were in the race, and people were just like, oh, he's got it sewn up. Yeah. So I had an 80 point lead. Mm-hmm. You could it was only 150 points on offer. So basically, the guy who I was versing the championship had to win the race, and I had to finish like 13th or something like that. 12th. You can see how much I've ever raced it in my mind. <laughs> no, sorry, wanna, 11th. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. I, I didn't want to race it. Pressure was on me to finish, but everyone knew that it was okay. So I was probably a bit more relaxed and didn't really think about what process I had to do. It was all about just like, oh, well, this is all I got to do. All I got to do is finish 11th. So, and that was probably the, where I went wrong because I didn't analyze things that I needed to, like coming into pit lane and 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 passes that I would make and just but not silly through, mistakes. Not through laziness or. Um, arrogance or anything like that. When when you find yourself in a situation like a tennis player is up, you know, six two, and all they have to do is serve out the match to mm. serve out the game to win the match. Mm. It's not because you stop caring. It's because this demon of expectation mm. is what we call it. Literally eats the processes in your mind. And you know, Scott was so like. You know, what if I don't win? Mm. What yeah, if there I, was. Uh, what if I like lose a race that I just can't lose? That thinking, expectation is huge. Yeah, right? thinking what everyone else was thinking about me if mm. I lost it. What I would do. My 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 main boss was there from America. Um, they'd flown out for the race for the championship. It was my first year with the team. They hadn't won a championship since 2010, but like before that was like '94. Mm. Like. I still battle with demon of yeah. expectation to this day. Every I just know how to handle does. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. But it was so. Yeah. So, an athlete comes across like he doesn't care or is not ticking the boxes, but his attention is so trapped on hmm. what will he think and what will they think and what will it look like if I lose this yeah. that he has no attention left on the very processes that I was, yeah, that I was he at, should be doing. Yeah, exactly. And I was at the point where I was like, I, I don't even want to race this race. Like I was that sick and that nervous of what to like the the, the expectation mm. that I, I didn't even want to race the race. I just so wanted to fast forward it. Was it a bit like you'd you'd imagined yourself losing the unlosable race and then you went on and did exactly that and you're watching yourself losing it, going, I can't believe what I feared <clears throat> would happen is actually happening. I think I don't no, I didn't even think that I could lose it. I didn't even, in my mind I, I felt like I could win it. It was just there. I just wanted it to be there. Like I wanted I was done. thinking, you wanted of, it done. yeah, I was thinking yeah. the celebration. Mm. I was thinking of what I was going to do. Like, like I remember that I had it all night the night before with my f- partner Carly, and 
I just was so, uh, you know, I was thinking about, oh, where am I going to do a burnout or like what are we going to do about it? It's just stupid, you know, and, and it was just, oh, yeah. so mm. So then... Even think, yeah. You lose the unlosable chicken. It's still agitated. So what do you go through then? How do you get just, up and walk away and have to rebuild yourself? I was really bad. I was very lucky I had Carly, um, my my partner, she um now wife. She she was unbelievable in that period and I was just planning to propose to her about a month later. So that was something that got me in my mind, but I I was in a really bad place, but I didn't think it. Like I thought, oh, no, I'll just go to the next race. I'll be right. It wasn't until I sort of spoke to Emma and realised, you know, how much I did wrong, how much I could have helped myself um, and little but things can that Can we I clarify did. that? I'm yeah. not telling him you did this wrong. No, 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 no. I mean, he did change was all over the shop. No, but just like things uh, um, like What you probably realised is you had a, an understanding for the first time of, why it happened, yeah. and that was quite freeing, yeah, for you, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? Exactly. Actually, going, mm. there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not a, a bad athlete, or mm. or mm. can never win a tight race. I can see the science behind um, mm. what happened, and that was sort of a relief for yeah. you, wasn't it? Because of the worst part for me was the next night was actually the awards night, and they they replayed the race almost, and all the highlights were basically my mistakes. Oh, so man. then I then I felt like like I just had embarrassment. Like it was just, it was, I've never felt so dejected and, mm. and oh, I've, even now I just, it's ugh. Yeah. It's and just, when, yeah. when anyone uses the word embarrassment, what they're really saying is I, I had a lot of shame. Absolutely. And shame right. um, for any human, but particularly for athletes, is the lowest that it gets mm. and the heaviest and oh. the most difficult to move forward. Like, mm. you know, if if we ever hear someone talking about, God, I feel really bad for that, then that's quite healthy. You know, mm. you, that's shame and embarrassment. Another is, thing I couldn't really get over, hard. I remember talking to you about it later, but I was always like, wonder, wonder if that was my shot. Like, wonder if I got, mm. will I ever get another chance yeah. like that again? And that's when it started, like 2018 happened and I'm like, I have to win this. Like, mm. like I have to make another shot. Which you know? is another Which level is, of demon of expectation. Absolutely, until I started speaking to Emma and it calmed all that down. So what we have to do is some of the things that we're learning and some of the things that Scott has learned, we have to have actual things that calms that physiology down. Right. And then we have to actually have different things that we put our focus and attention on that is literally sending a message to our mind, hey, danger's gone away, nothing is bad. What Scott needed to do in that race is to reassure his mind with a a lot of different tools that nothing bad, everything's safe, I've done the work, I know what to do Mm -hmm. and I have a process to follow and I know how to follow this. It's reminding yourself and sometimes being not modest like or humble. Like Mm -hmm. I remember like, Mum and dad brought me up to be like, you know, never forget where you come from and, you know, never put yourself above others or whatever. But then there's, there's an idea of having a little bit of swagger and saying, look, I am the best at, at this job. I know mm-hmm. how to break deeper than anyone else. I know how to drive the car better than everyone else and have a feel. And that's what calmed me down. And I had to sort of go away with what I'd learned from my mum and dad and about how I portrayed myself. Right. So, so tell me then about that process firstly of the calming down. Mm-hmm. So there has to be some sort of change in your physiology. So you can't just tell someone to calm down and expect them to calm down. They, they, they themselves have to change their physiology or you have to help them change their physiology. And the quickest way to do that is the breath. Yes. When we make that breath, 
longer and deeper. So we need to change the rhythm of that breath. You know, I have lots of people that come to me deep breathing going, mm. and I'm still in a panic and I'm trying to breathe. It's it's trying to get the breath longer and deeper, mm-hmm. but it's also that works twofold. So one that is sending a message up our vagus nerve into our mind that everything is good, everything is calm. Think about it, right? A caveman, if he's about to be eaten by a tiger, once a tiger leaves, he's taking these long, deep breaths. Yeah, right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. our mind is like, oh, danger's gone away. You're not breathing from the top half of your chest anymore, so the danger is cleared. But the other thing about our breath is we need to put our full attention on our breath because, well, Scott can answer this, how many focuses do we have? One. One. Mm-hmm. So because we only have one focus, I can't be focused on my breath and on if mm. I lose this race. Mm. It doesn't matter where we are taking that breath, wherever we are when we do that. That can be sitting in a meeting. It can be in our car at the traffic lights. It can be amongst the hurly-burly of our kids. As long as we are taking our attention and fully putting it into something on the present moment. So what do my hands feel like? What does my breath feel like? What do my feet feel like? That is when we are getting out, ripping our attention off all of those danger, danger, danger places. Mm. All right. So we've got through sort of finding calm through Mm -hmm. the breath. Then break it down for us, Scott, what M taught you so that you are now, you have new processes when you're racing. Well, the biggest thing obviously is the the one focus. Mm. Um, So we have an A game and a B game. Um, I have plenty of... We, we wrote down on a piece of paper what B game is and what that looks like and what A game looks – and I always want to be an A game, right? I don't never want to – so B game for me is thinking about my competitors, thinking about, um, you know, just uh, – all, all the things that things control. That could go right. Exactly, yeah. all the things out of control. Right. A game is me believing that I am the best, I can break well, I can feel the car better than anyone else. So for me, I've, um, you know, really uh, found a, a happy medium with how I connect to that, um, but – the breath has been a huge thing for me, uh, that, that keeping that calm and, and um, you know, visualising yeah. what I need to do. It's like a combination. Um, yeah. When we are talking about the best of you, mm. it's like a combination of all these tools that means that when Scott gets in that car, mm. he's bringing the best execution to that car. And the breath is one thing and the softening of the hands is another thing mm. and the slight swagger and sort of... Um, sitting on the evidence of everything that he's done well is another thing. That's really powerful, yeah. looking back at when you've done things well. One, Scott started yeah. this journey with affirmations, yeah. like, um, you know, which is a, is a way of changing our belief system. So it's sort of like this little combination. Yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, yeah. oh, an acceptance. <clears throat> oh, that's that, massive. That was, that, for yeah, me, yeah. that's my biggest word, is accepting uh, what, what's gonna, what will be will be. Mm-hmm. As long as I best, and I still use that at the moment, I accept whatever comes my way. My, my, my script's already written and I just make sure that I best execute and that's the best way for me to set an A game is it's just accepting what's yeah. going to happen, you know. And, and I couldn't, there was points during 2018 when we first started working together, I just couldn't accept some things. But then once I did, geez, it put me in a good headspace for sure. Mm. Yeah. It's like accepting that, yeah, you can lose this race. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I might finish fourth yeah. when I have a car that's yeah. good enough first. But if it happens, it's like, well, what do you do? So what does Scott mean when he talks about swagger? Because 
Say someone's going into a presentation, they may not be aware of their strengths. You know, they're not going to have swagger. That's right. So they're, before they're going into a presentation, they might be saying, well, they are saying to themselves because they're human, oh, this could go wrong. What if people think I'm terrible? Or I'm, I'm no good at this. I my words. Or well, they actually terrible. don't believe they're good at it yeah. already. Well, why don't people I'm, listen? I'm really bad at public speaking, yes. you know. Yes, And so every thought we have then um, shows up in our body. So what that looks like for them is their shoulders are a bit slumped, so now they can't project their voice, their eye contact is down, their, um, you know, feet are very flat. So they have this energy about them. And then they walk into that moment in that physiological state and they deliver a pretty ordinary performance because they have what we call no resources to draw on. They don't Mm. have a good posture, good breathing, eye contact, smile. So they've got no resources in their physiology to help them perform at their best. And then they walk out of that environment and they go, yeah, well, I told you I'm terrible. That was terrible. No one engaged and I couldn't project my voice and... It was woeful. Mm -hmm. And then that starts reaffirming to them, you're no good at that. Mm -hmm. You are really bad at that. And so what it is teaching people is that before we step into a performance moment, that might be having a conversation with my manager. It might be actually, um, you know, going into a presentation. It might be a phone call. But before we step into that performance moment that we check in on our physiology, that our physiology is going to help us in that moment. So maybe it's up tall or maybe it's soft and relaxed. Maybe it's big or maybe it's open, that I'm either smiling or maybe I have a neutral face. Whatever I need to perform at my best in that moment, that I'm stepping into that and I'm I'm not thinking positively because if you do not like public speaking and you've never done very well at public you speaking. You can't talk yourself out of that. <laughs> saying, <laughs> saying that, I'm great at this, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Your mind's like, well, that's bullshit. It's a yeah. lie, stop yeah. lying to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's going to evidence like, okay, uh, well, one, it's accepting, accepting that, you know, this is a difficult situation. I, I don't love this. I'm not comfortable in this. However, I do know that... I know my information really well and I have planned for this and um, I have more information about the topic that I'm talking on than anyone else in the room. And when I just stand in a really strong pose and I project my voice, that information will come across clearly and then I'll do the best job that I can. Mm -hmm. So you're not trying to say, I'll be amazing, they'll love me. You're just trying to say the reality of the situation and the facts of the situation and the evidence is I have done the work. I do know my mm-hmm. I do know my stuff. And then what our mind does, it's like, oh, well, you can do that. That is true. You have you are prepared, and our mind just calms down. Yeah. So it's about breaking it down into much smaller parts. Smaller parts. I change my physiology. I accept that this could go wrong, and then I put my attention and my focus on what I can do okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The bits that I know for true, you know, that is true that I can do, that I can master here. I mean, culturally, do we have a problem being confident and aware of our skills? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. If I ask anyone, what is your strengths and attributes? And I ask, you know, that's the first question I ask. People will really struggle to Mm. tell me that. If you're 
in finance, we know that you're good with numbers. We're not talking about those strengths. No. We're, to, we're talking about, well, my ability to um, work in a team, my ability to communicate clearly to someone, my ability to analyse a situation and be solution orientated, my ability to, you know, care for other people, those sort of things. We all have incredible strengths mm. and we just spent, because of the way our mind is wired to constantly tell us the bad, mm. we are all day, every day telling ourselves, I'm no good at that. And why did you say that? If only you hadn't done that now. Oh, and replaying it oh, over and over. Waking up at <laughs> four o'clock in the oh. morning thinking, oh, I shouldn't have said it that yeah. way, you yeah. know. It's like we don't ever put our attention on, yeah, I did that well. Okay, next time, maybe I couldn't set it differently, but I did this really well. Mm. And so every time we continually just focus on what we do bad, what we do not good, we are creating a belief that we are not worthy and we're not good enough and everything stems from there. So Scott has been over to IndyCar for the first time, yeah. um, brand new car, faster speed and third overall on the test day amongst experienced drivers. Like Having that, never driven that car yeah, before. Like it is in, incredible. And watching Scott, um, you know, on that day, you know, talking to him and whatever else, it was very similar to his mindset at Bathurst and it would be what people talk about when you get into flow. So he was just in a state of flow and he's seeing things easily and he's seeing things calmly. And what a lot of people do is they're going through their life waiting to stumble on that. Oh, that was a good day. That mm. was a great performance moment. Oh, that wasn't so good. And they're sort of at the mercy of whether the stars align and, and that happens. And what I've seen in Scott now is his ability to put himself into that state that nearly makes you unbeatable as an athlete because he, and, and you made that comment after IndyCar, I can, this is sort of like a formula, like I can just get into that state and mm. I know I'm going to be at my best. And because I'm an elite athlete, that's going to be but it's that pretty word, good. That, that's that word acceptance, honestly. Because yeah. I, I, the day before, so the day before I was meant to do two days mm. testing and it rained out all day. We couldn't <laughs> run in the rain. I was itching to get in the car. So that the first day was gone. The second day, half the day had gone. So it left us with like six hours in the car. So everyone on the day had six hours, people that had done it for 10 years that didn't really bother them. But for a rookie like myself, that was tough. Mm, mm. So Start the story with where your mindset was when that first happened because I think I was, the progression, what, what was the story was that just, you were running? Oh, like could I do this? You're also nearly projecting that my entire IndyCar career is over because yeah. that's going to put me behind because now I have one less day and this is how our mind works. Scott had nearly forecast mm. the whole demise of his IndyCar career mm. based on one day of rain. Well, I was worried about the demise. <laughs> um, but I, yeah... I remember going back going, geez, I'm 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 We call behind it catastrophizing. I'm, yes, yeah, I'm yes. behind the eight I'm ball. I'm familiar here. with catastrophizing, yes. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm <laughs> behind the eight ball here. I'm I'm you know, this is gonna be tough to just get in the car and go. Um but I also had the sense of, yeah, you know, they can't change how I perform and how I get to my best execution rate. And mm. I that that was one thing that put me at ease. Yeah, for sure. he was able to catch that story really quickly, mm. right? And then he was Turn able it. to start turning it with yep. the the tools he had. Yeah, um, which and we have a good strategy with that. Yeah, yeah and he good. could re 
one, you can't change a story if you don't catch a story. Yes. So he ha- had good awareness to <laughs> call that story. Name mm. entertainment. That's, you know, that's not a good, helpful story. And then start switching that story really um, effectively. But mm. one thing you, you may have picked up, Scott, saying a few times now is, I expected to go well. Yes. Um, I expect to perform well. And that's been a massive shift for Scott and it's one of the biggest shifts I see in athletes, that when they sit in um, expectation that this is going to go well for me, then it puts you in the very energy you need to perform at Mm. your best. So when we sit in um, hope, praying, wishing, oh, I hope I do okay at this, Mm. oh, I really Mm. want this to be good, oh, please let this good... Athletes and other humans trick themselves into going, oh, I'm not having negative thinking. I'm like, oh, I really hope I'm going to be performing at my best today. Whereas when we sit in an expectation that it's already done and that expectation is based on the evidence of the work I've done, mm. then I sit in a completely different energy. It's freer, it's lighter, it's um, more sure of myself and then I perform with that energy is really, really powerful. I used to hope a lot. Like, yeah, right. It's crazy. Like, and the, I think all of know, us do. I yeah, think yeah. I think most of us live in a hope space. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I this is like, what I say. Like, Let's say Scott goes into IndyCar going, oh, you know, oh, I probably won't do very we well. Let's see how we go. I just have to finish, you know, it's just getting in the car is a good achievement. Which is what I did in right. 2017. Right. That's okay. exactly and, what I did. And then it doesn't go so well. He's going to be really disappointed. Let's say he goes in there going, I've done the work. I'm great at what I do. I'm, I, I have full expectation that I can leave my mark on this test and day will be, will and be. that I can have a really good impact on this test day. Now, if he doesn't, he's going to be disappointed. No more disappointed right. had he sat in hoping, wishing, praying, right? Yeah. Disappointment is disappointment. Let's not put ourselves in disappointment to avoid dropping into disappointment. I, you know, I look at actors and I think, you're driving to this audition, I really need this audition. Like, I need a job. Mm. I haven't had a job. Oh, God, I hope they like me. I pray they like that. How about you sit in the car and see yourself doing that Smash audition mm. well, see them responding really well, going, that was great, that was amazing. Mm. That changes how you feel. That changes the energy you walk into that audition. Boom. Are you going to perform differently in the audition? Yeah. Absolutely. But I was excited to see what people thought of, like, what story I could make by going well mm. at this test. Yeah. And it did. It went bananas. And I think that whole process has been tarnished by this concept of manifesting your dreams, you know, mm. like, and the secret and all of that. People think it's a bit hippy-dippy. No, this is just science. If I sit in, if I talk and think and act the way as if it's already happened, then I'm going to start taking action in line with the result Mm. that I want. Mm. And I'm going to start driving in line with, I know how to do this because I expect it to go well. And I'm going to have that, I'm going to carry that focus and attention and energy into it as if I know how to do this. Yeah. Because the evidence tells me why wouldn't I? We're speaking about this high-pressure performance moment. What happens in the times around that? Like how do we keep yeah. ourselves focused when we're feeling like we're okay. really unfocused, we're procrastinating? And how do, we, how do we kind of shift ourselves into that performance moment? So you've heard Scott and maybe the other guys talk about this concept of A game and B game. Mm. And so our B game is like all of the what ifs, the if onlys, the hoping, the wishing, the trying to control all these uncontrollables. It's filled with a lot of 
either anxiety or heaviness or, you know, slowness or all different feelings in that B game. And we want to try and go through life never going to the B. It's impossible, Mm. but you want to spend as little time in the B game as you can. So nothing is to be gained from going into like, oh, what if this doesn't work? What if I fail? What if I get it wrong? And then you have this space on the other flip side of that, which is our A game, which is I'm turning up and I'm expecting it to go well and I've got this great posture and and I'm focused on the process and best executing the process. So I've got one and then I've got the other, but I've got this space in the middle. And this is just pure being present in the moment. This is just letting the moment be exactly what it needs to be. So I I find the best way to explain this with spinal cord injury. Mm. Um, for those listeners who are listening for the first time, I have a son uh, who has a spinal cord injury. There's so many B games with that. Like what if, you know, he never has a job and what if our family breaks up and, you know, what if he's never independent? And they feel terrible and they're horrific and they're awful. My A game, that's, that's my B game, you know, all of those what ifs. My A game, when I need to step into a performance moment, which is maybe doing this podcast, getting up and speaking, seeing a client, I need to get into a completely, my focus in a different place. But that doesn't mean I need to constantly walk around in this, you know, A game space. So what I like to say is I've got my B game, never go there. Then I've got this space in the middle that is just being present and it's letting myself feel whatever I need to feel. Some days that's sadness, some days it's heaviness, some days it's worry, some days it's fear. I let all those feelings just be what they are in my body. And if I need to cry, I cry. If I need to sit on the couch, I sit on the couch. I don't attach that horrific story to it of what if, you know, our life is doomed. And then when a performance moment comes around, so now I've got to go to work, now I've got to have this conversation, now I step in, now I shift into my A game. So now I pull my shoulders back, I take that deep breath, I put my attention on what I can do well, what is working. So do you see that? Yeah, that and you obviously need that middle space, that just to. being space. That's yeah. your rest space. Absolutely. That's your being you, yeah. just being moments yeah, yeah. are crucial. Yeah, mm. and that's why sometimes just mindfulness as it is. I like to sort of talk about this concept of high performance mindfulness. So I'm on my couch, I'm just being mindful. I'm just there. I'm letting myself be. But when I step into that performance moment, I need to be in the best version of me in that moment. I need to bring it all. And, you know, Scott can't walk around all day, every day, switched on to this, Mm. what am I, you know, what's happening here and swaggering there and, you know, (laughs) saying affirmations here. (laughs) But he can just be present with Carly and just sit there and let it be. But there is no room for Scott to ever go into, what if I don't win the championships? What if I don't, um, you know, get this sponsorship deal? What if IndyCar falls through? Nothing is to be gained from that. Mm. So if we can live our life just being present and when it's time to step up, we have clear strategies to step into our best and we try and catch ourselves from being in the not still do it though. Yeah. still do it, but you're not not immune to it once you start practising. It's just how you get out of it. I like... I my B game is very whingy mm. and victimy, mm. and I will still go there in my home in my family life. 
because I do. Yeah, oh, and well, it's not good enough. I mean, well, it is. Uh, like I'm, I, I'm human. Yes. And uh, even when you learn and study this stuff for a long time, you don't get it right. What the practice of mindfulness brings you is that you're able to catch it quicker and change it. Let's get to our exercise yeah. for this particular episode, which is bringing home the last three exercises we've learned yeah. over the last three episodes. And I'd love Scott's input because we're going to learn stop. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a great one. Yeah. It's the best one. Um, so this exercise is called stop um, and I love exercises where I can share them with people knowing that, you know, the Richmond boys leaving into the grand final, you stop and they loved it. Then two weeks later, Scott, you stopped going into Bathurst and loved it and other yeah. athletes. You, so you know that it works and it's bringing together all the things that we've talked about. So STOP actually stands is an acronym mm-hmm. and S stands for STOP. So the first thing is when you feel, when you get the warning signs that you're in that B game. Now, those warning signs might be you're aware of a story, like Scott at IndyCar could hear that story he was mm-hmm. saying. On another day, it might not be the story you're hearing. You might notice that you're breathing shallow Mm. or you're yelling at your kids or you've gone really invisible in a meeting and stop asking questions in the meeting or your shoulders are tense. When you get those warning signs, you literally say stop. And it's important you say stop because we've been conditioned throughout our lives. Stop means don't go down that path any Mm. longer. T stands for take a breath and physically shift. So the T is like, so I say stop. And then I just go to my breath, one breath, two breaths. I recommend three breaths, Mm -hmm. taking that breath longer and deeper. And that's when I shift my physiology. So I breathed and for Scott, he would take a breath and he'll get into that open, taller swagger. Or if he's in the car, he'll soften the hand. So whatever that physical shift is to get you into that physiology that you need to be in for your performance moment. And then the O is really important. It's the most critically important thing. O is to observe the story, accept the story and shift the story. So I just, I got to check out what that story is. Oh, that's that story that this rain is going to, you know, delay my whole IndyCar future Mm. and put me behind Accept the story, accept that, yeah, this is, it's going to be tougher that the, the rain has come. It's going to make it harder for me and, and then switch the story. But you know what? They, that rain can't change the way I drive. Mm-hmm. I haven't lost my talent because of the rain. I know exactly what I need to do here. Mm-hmm. And then the P of stop is progress with action. Pick up that phone, step onto that stage, get behind the car or, or whatever it is take some sort of action. So really quickly again, S, stop, T, take a breath and shift physically. So I breathe and then shift. O, observe the story, accept the story, change the story. Your mind will not let you change that story unless you've accepted it. That's Mm. what I've learned from the beautiful athletes that I work with. If you do not accept that that story, that it's okay to think like that, you're normal, there's nothing bad, it will not let you change that story. It will Mm. keep running it. And P, just progress with action. And, you know, Scott used this going into Bathurst. Bathurst was massive for you, wasn't mm, it? Two you weeks before. Like yeah. About a, straight after the grand final, I started using it. Yeah. And then eventually by the time you got to Bathurst, what did you have to do? I just said stop, right? Yeah. I, I was basically to the point where I actually didn't even need to call it out. I just knew it was BS. So I just, I just went stop. And then changed, changed it. Yeah. And then even if it was just me... 
I, I sometimes though it's in the car, so you, you've got to be like a bit more. Um, sometimes that you can only take one breath or whatever, yeah. but it's a quick change, and then you just. For me, it was a good thought. Like thinking, oh, that's stupid. Like the the holding is not. If it is faster than you, it's whatever. You just you've got to do what you can do, and that doesn't affect my best execution. And mm. then once I changed that, it just it was honestly like a click of the fingers. I was like really calm, not calm, but like a, it just okay. it was a way. I was just, okay. Yeah, I was settled. Yeah. You know. And, yeah. So I say yeah. to people, if you're trying to make a change, like I was speaking to someone yesterday who was like, I keep working really late at night. Like I've got no off button. Firstly, if that is you. At the start of the day when you wake up, set a time that you are not allowed to work past. So mm. not allowed to do work past 7pm tonight. Have a finished time. And then once it's getting past that, stop, take a breath, like turn off my computer. But what I was saying to this person is it's an ingrained habit in you. You may have to call stop on yourself, you know, 20 times mm. the first night. I did. Mm. Yeah. yeah and then the you eventually week. just got down to the point where you just say stop once yep. and you mm. shift. So you have to do the work mm. in all of this. If we were having a podcast about how to run a marathon now, if you don't actually go and put your shoes yes, on and, of course. and go out running, just hearing us talk about mm. it is not going to get the job done. And I will say as you begin this work to be kind to yourself because it can be exhausting. Mm. Yes. Really exhausting. Oh. And at times I've had, you know, I found it really devastating for me to acknowledge that that's the story that I've had and that yeah. I'm carrying around with yeah, me. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then when you start thinking about where has that story come from, that, that can be really devastating as well. Yeah. It's okay to think like that. Mm. It doesn't make you a bad person, mm. a messed up person. It's just, you know, you're human. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. In our next episode, a fantastic conversation with BMX champion Caroline Buchanan, specifically with regard to pain, mm. physical pain, recovery of pain and how you manage pain. And mindfulness is incredibly powerful with regard yeah, to that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Best of You in the House of Wellness was created and presented by me, Joe Stanley and Emma Murray, produced by Alex Mitchell, sound production by Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, head to houseofwellness.com.au or search Best of You in the House of Wellness. Listener.